Welcome to the 7th Amazing Race 29 recap episode of URT Number, the Amazing Race podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is our Canadian skewer of seasoned meats, Logan Saunders. Good morning. Good morning. And how are we? Uh, we're doing good, doing good. Another solid episode of Amazing Race 29. It will be quite depressing when this season ends. Full of absolute smutty quotes, which is lovely. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't even take note of too many uh, smutty quotes. So you're the one that has the mind in the gutter, Michael. That has been said before. There are a lot of stupid quotes from this episode. In fact, I'd, I'd say about a third of my notes are just "This is something stupid that someone said." I should note, Michael, that you make fun of Canada for outdated technology, but I just read in the news that the UK uh, healthcare system, the computer system that they have, was hacked. Because it was outdated. Because they use Windows 98. Sorry, Windows XP is. And yet Canada does, hasn't been hacked. So you're you're the one that's stuck with the Atari 2600. Do you know why they got hacked? Because I thought the system they didn't update. Nope, it's even better. They didn't update it because there was a back door so that the NSA could get in. Seriously. NSA? Like the American NSA? Yeah. Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you let the NSA in America have a backdoor to all the health records of everybody in the UK? I have no idea. <laughs> that is scary. But yeah, that's apparently why. That's just asking for trouble. So yeah, another fun episode, I would say. It wasn't that fun. Liz. You are so one million percent not retiring that impression, by the way. <laughs> I'm not letting you retire the impression. That's the only impression I got other than my JK impression for when Amazing Race Asia 6 rolls around. What about Joey? Your Joey impression is awesome. It changes every week. (laughs) Exactly why it is awesome. Slash awful. (laughs) Like, I make no bones about the fact that your impressions are terrible generally. Talking of terrible impressions, do your Scott impression. I don't have a Scott impression. Come it's just on. my voice. We, we all know you have a Scott impression, you just haven't done it on the podcast yet. <laughs> it's not very good. <laughs> At least with the Joey one, I try. <laughs> I don't care if it's good, I just want it to be terrible. We'll just wait till we get an actual quote from Scott, then I may be able to replicate it. So, previously, six teams raced from Lake Como to Venice... At the robot, Redmond's artistic skills topped off an expertly run leg to win him and Matt their first leg. Liz and Michael sank to the back of the pack once more, but they were saved by their second non-elimination leg. That was a really short previously on segment. It was. I think there might have been a bit cut out of it, but I can't find the bit that wasn't cut out of it. So you know. Yeah, because Phil, on the audio for it, Phil's audio sounds really off, like yeah. distorted. Did you notice that? Did, did you watch it live then? Uh, No. I was going to say, if you watched it live and the audio was that bad, then I'd understand it, but if you didn't, then maybe it wasn't, and maybe we're just getting tricked. So I watched, it was the West Coast uh, um, viewing of it that I had recorded. So you recorded it off your telly? Yes. Alright, so yeah, the audio really was that bad then. Yeah. But yeah, well done editors for your terrible audio, and the nerds like us will notice it. I bet you nobody else even noticed that. Probably not, but go back and listen to it, everyone. It really is a terrible cut. Doesn't even sound like Phil's voice. And teams must now fly to Barry and then take a 16-hour ferry to Patras, Greece. 
and once there they have to drive themselves to the village of Arahova to find their next clue hidden at a Greek wedding. Caution, double you turn ahead. I hear the town of Arahova may or may not be affiliated with rapper Jay-Z. Why? H to the Izzo, V to the Izze, Hova. That's that's actually the name of one of his songs. Okay. Uh, and it's Matt and Redmond leaving at 11.15, with Becker and Floyd at 12.08, Tara and Joey at 12.28, Brooke and Scott at 1.01, London and Logan at 1.02, and Liz and Michael at 1.11. In fact, uh, it's one of the most infamous songs for JC, because it has the worst, one of the worst rap lyrics of all time, where I believe one of the lines goes, For sheezy my kneesy, keep my arms so breezy. And that's an actual rap lyric, and it's been constantly referenced over the past, uh, oh, 15 years, I guess. That's That song is that old now. And uh, Destiny's Child uh, appears in the music video for it. They may have even they may even provide the audio for the chorus, but I'm not entirely sure. It's no Desiree life. I'm sorry, <laughs> it's not as terrible as Desiree. Did you listen to that when I sent it to you a few weeks ago? Yes, I did. <laughs> That's the most British awful, pop song I've heard. <laughs> No one else has heard of it around here, though, because if I haven't heard of it, then that means no Canadian has really heard of it, except for maybe some British expats. I'm afraid of the dark, especially when I'm in a park and there's no one else around. Ooh, I get the shivers. So uh, Matt and Redmond check out 1115. They say they're getting along and having fun. And uh, what was the whole lay quote again? I didn't write it down quite uh, verbatim. It's, uh, I've met a new friend with one leg called Redmond. And Redmond said, what's the other leg called? Which is such a dad joke. Yeah. And then uh, Beck and Floyd have a back and forth that sounds like a Southern Baptist preacher exchange. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Preach. (laughs) We're the dream team. Yes, we are, (laughs) ma'am. Holla. Holla. (laughs) Damn it, you beat me to it. Too slow. I'm thinking, this is so awesome. It's like it's like probably what probably brings back memories of uh, what it's like for Sherry and Cole to go to church in uh, Alabama. I'm sure. So yeah, Scott hopes for running, and Brooke says that this team is not made for running. Just like how my boots are not made for walking. Yeah. Um, and then of course we cut to a confessional. Brooke saying, "Scott's a pleasure every day of every week of every year." <laughs> I think it's at the point where we realise that Scott and Brooke are just sniping at each other and enjoying each other's company, really. <laughs> it's ever since that. I'm still waiting for Scott to pull out his secret express pass. Just, he should do that on the on the finale. Just when they're racing to the finish, like, it's the last roadblock in the, of the season, and Brooke has to do it, and and Brooke is really panicking, and Scott's just on the sidelines watching her panic for about two or three minutes j- just for his own satisfaction and then he pulls out the secret express pass you mean you've been hanging on to this the whole time scott come on i'm waiting for you to do the scott impression there <laughs> we have, i don't have a scott, scott quote yet <laughs> yeah well you got to make one up you made one up for brooke yeah but that's because i kind of practice with my brooke impression you kind of practice with your scott impression you've just not done it on the podcast <laughs> Uh, I'm going to keep perpetuating this myth because it's fun to try and get you in trouble. (laughs) It's fun getting into trouble. Just like the board game. Have you ever played the board game Trouble? I have not, no. Oh, everyone in Canada plays Trouble. 
it's the only way that we get into trouble. And there was this really corny 90s commercial where it's a bunch of uh, kids at a school and they're like, oh, it's fun getting into trouble. And then you find out they're just playing the board game Trouble. And as this, and, the, and you don't even roll the dice. It just has one die in the middle of the board. It's uh, trapped inside of, uh, of uh, plastic. And you just press on the plastic. And there's like a popper thing that pops up the die. And that's how you get your roll. It's like Boggle. No, it's nothing like Boggle. Boggle has the same dice technique. But this one, you just you press on the thing, and the die comes up with boggle. You have to like shake it around. Oh yeah, it's, it's Ludo. I'm thinking of Ludo's the one with the with the like popper thing. I think. Oh okay. You can't even tell your boggle from a Ludo. I know. I'm revoking my board game nerd pass. Yeah, we had like fifty. We gave away about twenty board games about ten years ago, and I swear we still got like twenty five to thirty board games. Like we had a. We played everything, every board game and card game you could think of. And we're not even getting into the, our Nintendo collection. <laughs> Has your family played Cards Against Humanity? Um, not my parents. My, me and my siblings have, though, uh, a few times with other friends. I don't think there is more of an awkward family activity than playing Cards Against Humanity. If you play, uh, was it, Things in a Box, that usually trumps Cards Against Humanity, depending on the group you're with. I've never heard of that. Oh, you've never heard of Things in a Box? Oh yeah, it's like the next. It was like the next big party game after Cards Against Humanity, and they even have a sequel called uh, Dirty Things in a Box to make it even dirtier. No, I've heard of Secret Hitler. That was by the same guys who did Cards Against Humanity. And apparently, London and Logan have no drama. Really, London and Logan have no drama? Is that why they've been getting so much airtime this season? Yeah, to which the correct response is, and that's why London and Logan have no edits. <laughs> well, Logan doesn't even get a confessional this episode. I think London gets two confessionals. I know, Lo- I think I did count. London gets two confessionals, and that is it for the entire episode. <laughs> they are so under-edited. Like, where did their footage go? Does, did it get, was it like the, what was it, the first season of Celebrity Mole, where... It, the building flooded out, and they were just—they were only able to salvage what they can. Did they get Anthony and Stephanie? Except for every episode, they got Anthony and Stephanie. Why do you think they're being so underedited? Is it just because there there is no drama, as they say, or are they just really boring? I just don't. Th- they may just—I I think the reason why Logan hasn't had any confessionals is because it might be like. Uh, Brennan off of Robin Brennan, where he wasn't able to provide the good uh, sound bites, so Rob from season one had to be the one featured in every confessional. And then with London, probably just the way she recaps things may not be as charismatic or as entertaining as the other teams. I think with Logan as well, his voice is quite low, so it doesn't always register for everyone. It's not as pleasant to hear on the show, at least. Yeah, like, they probably don't even comment on too much of the drama. They don't really have a beef with the other teams. Like, last episode was the most airtime they got. And for a team that blatantly lied to two of the other teams, it wasn't even mentioned this episode. Like, none of that carried over. It's just like, oh, yeah, Lund and Logan are nice enough people. We're all over it. And that's it. And that's it. And also, congratulations to CBS for completely spoiling the U-turn this week. Yeah, it wasn't even like the. It wasn't even limited to the. Oh, that is so crappy that they got you turned. It was. They they showed the image of both teams. They got you turned. 
and by who. Yes, they show the completed U-turn board. So, well done, CBS, you morons. You had 42 (laughs) minutes of footage that you could have shown in the trailers, and you showed the one bit that had Tara and Joey directly in front of the U-turn board. And, um... I know you picked up on this one, but massive amount of schadenfreude from Mike and Liz as they leave. When Mike says, they're going to have to do more than a speed bump to get us out. Yeah, not only was it the end of last episode, but it was the start of this one. They're going to have to do more than that. They're going to have to do something crazy like like you turn us or or make me run a lot and make me run a lot up steps and make me run up more steps and slippery rocks and make me run around a track. And uh, in other prophetic bastard news, Brooke and Scott say they might target Liz and Michael so they give themselves a buffer. If there is a U-turn coming up. If there is a U-turn coming up, which there most certainly was. So if there's a season 30, they've had the U-turns play out for this season. Three U-turns, and there's absolutely no restriction this time. Not like there was much of a restriction in the past where you could, where there's only two U-turns and one of them was blind anyway, so you could use two if you wanted to. But uh, do you think this will be a steady pattern where production's going to keep up with unlimited U-turns and have at least three per season? I think we're probably going to see if we get season 30, which we'll probably find out in the next week. I think we're probably going to be leaning towards a must-belt U-turn soon. You think so? I think that's the only way that they can escalate it now. America has got to learn about the must-belt U-turn. Yes. And especially with spoilers for everyone, Hammerot's filming a must-belt yield this week in New York. So Krista got to be exposed to that twist. Oh yeah, there was, there's a Must Vote Yield board that Reality Fan Forum have got. I'm surprised that the Canadian version hasn't even done the most vote twist, considering they take things from all of the international versions to combine into theirs, except international travel. That's because uh, Canada's production team don't want to uh, to challenge themselves anymore. Wah, wah, wah. Did you also notice the, the wonky editing on um, when Brooke and Scott got to the cars? And found out that there was a U-turn on the leg. It was a bit of a mad scramble, so I didn't necessarily notice the wonky editing. Did you notice there was a Franken edit of Brooke shouting yes when she saw they weren't U-turned last time in this episode? Oh, so they clipped audio from a past episode again, eh? Yeah. They do that with Becca quite a bit. Heck yeah! They clipped Brooke going, yes! From, um, from like, Oh my god! <laughs> And the only reason I know that is because it appeared in the uh, the face cream clip. And talking of things I'm not allowed to clip, um, S- Scott has has made me promise not to clip his scream from next week. Which means you will be clipping his scream from oh, next week. Oh, 100% I'm going to be <laughs> clipping his scream. And then insert it into the, oh my god. <laughs> no, I, I might just uh, insert it into the, uh, the intro music, actually. <laughs> just insert Scott's scream. You should insert it throughout the intro uh, song for this podcast. <laughs> no, Scott's scream is, go- is going to be a featured artist on the Hammer Rocks intro next week. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly because it's amazing. <laughs> um. Oh, so uh, th- they get to drink every single leg this season. They even got to drink on. They got to drink on another ferry. It was on the plane. Or on the plane, 
What about the ferry? They had a 16-hour ferry ride. I'm sure they had free drinks on there, too. Oh, I'm sure they did, but the champagne scene was from the plane, flying to Bari. Okay, so on the plane, uh, yeah, like, if you fly within Canada or the States, you do not get to have free booze on the plane. If you fly within the United States, you don't get to have any food. Same with Canada now. You have to buy your your own food. Yeah, I was on a... When I flew from LA to Florida, four years ago now, jeepers, we were on a United flight, and we took off at half eight and landed at half five local time and didn't get any food. Yeah, that's about the same for... Yeah, it was just when I flew from Vancouver to... Or uh, Calgary to London when I visited you. No food at all offered for free on the plane. You had to pay for it. I was starving. And I didn't have any breakfast. Because it was half eight. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, uh, when I flew with the Luxembourg Airlines from Canary Islands to Luxembourg, they give you, like, two meals on the plane for free. And you can have any alcoholic drink you want for free as well. Yeah, Lufthansa were the same. Um, when I flew from Manchester to Munich, it was about three or four free drinks in a two-hour flight and a, a lunch as well. And I was on the uh, cheaper rate. Yeah, that's the same. Like, I got the cheapest tickets. or I was just in economy class, too, for the Canary Islands uh, flight. And it was like, Hen- Hen- they were offering, like, Hennessy on the, on the flight. Like, top-of-the-line booze. I was on the what they call the light economy fare, where I got a a ten kilo, uh, sorry, an eight kilo handbag, and that was it. Oh, that's really small. Okay, so back to this leg. Um, oh, when teams find the bridge, well, when some teams find the bridge, how it's funny when Scott and Brooke find it, where Scott's like, "Here's the bridge. That's great news." Well, okay, um, just one ounce of yay, Brooke. Yay! It was like. It was like, have you ever played the video game Super Punch-Out for the Super Nintendo? No. There's a character called Gabby J, and he's the very first guy that you fight, and he has like a 1 in 99 record. He's like the equivalent to Glass Joe in the other Punch-Out video games. And when he walks onto the screen, he's just very unenthusiastic, and and all he says is, Yay! So, Brooke is the Gabby J of The Amazing Race this season. She really is earning all of the comparisons this season, didn't she? <laughs> but I love—I was just—I was just taken aback. It was—it uh, was very uncanny to hear Gabby J's voice uh, on a season of The Amazing Race. Yay! yay. <laughs> Not one ounce of yay, Brooke. Meanwhile, for uh, um, for uh, Matt, it's not one ounce of yay, but rather one ounce of yayo. I'll be here all week. That's the problem. Or many ounces of yayo. I don't know. How, I don't know how things have. If if Matt won the million, then many many ounces of yayo are are here are here to stay for him uh, in Colorado. It would be like Fabio winning Survivor. Yayo for yayo. Oh, Andre Nicotina. Okay. Um, so yeah, um, Becker and Floyd stuck at self-driving almost as much as Liz and Michael did. More than Liz and Michael did this time. They got lost more than Liz and Michael at self-driving. Like, even Meredith and Maria may have beaten uh, Beck and Floyd to the route marker this leg. Yeah, I, I mean, I know it was a small village, but jeepers. <laughs> it was just funny with the whole exchange between Liz and Michael, like... 
It was the first turn that they screwed up on. <laughs> I was thinking, even even for Liz and Michael, that's I was I wrote in my notes saying, "Well, that was even quicker than what I was expecting." <laughs> we went, we went left. They all went right. So that that means we're the ones going in the right direction, right, Liz? I'm not gonna lie. When I was watching the episode yesterday, all I could think of was these scenes are gonna be great for Logan to do the impressions of. <laughs> yeah. It's just they're all exchanging the car when Liz, like, it's only, it seems like it'd only be a few minutes in where Liz would say, I think we need to turn around, y'all. Turn around to do what, Liz? Get lost for another two hours because you won't figure out the way that we came? If the further we go, the more even tougher it's going to be to figure out how to, how to backtrack, Liz. I wish they would just redo that, uh. Redo that as a meme several times, where where they just keep repeating it. I think we should turn around, y'all. Turn around to do what, Liz? Dress up and drag and do the hula. We should turn around, y'all. Turn around to do what, Liz? Keep getting lost until Phil has to find us, and then we motorboat him when we see him. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so Tara and Joey are the first team to find the wedding, but they don't notice the U-turn board and instead just, in a tribute to Amazing Race Canada, just dance. Yeah, it's like all the Amazing Race Canada producers are watching this episode saying, hmm, this sounds like one of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just, yeah, they just dance around in circles. It's like uh, Lisa Simpson with that uh, British kid and uh, Lingual. Uh, in that anthology episode, I was just waiting for uh, music by the Turtles to play uh, while uh, uh, Tar and Joey were holding hands and dancing. Awesome. Uh, may I point out this was a very offensive and cultural appropriation to show a Greek wedding. <laughs> yes, we're already having enough issues with cultural appropriation in Canada right now. I'm not sure if you heard the big news, but uh, there was a a journalist who took something out of context that a First Nations author wrote about cultural appropriation, and he used this out-of-context quote to support non-First Nations writers to be comfortable with writing about uh, First Nations subjects from their point of view. And it's caused a huge uh, firestorm of debate uh, within the Canadian writing community. Oh, Lord. A, a debate which I have stayed out of. <laughs> I'm proud of you. <laughs> Did you see the post on the Amazing Race fans page about uh, someone saying that it's very offensive to have a Greek wedding shown and t- have teams throw plates? Wait, that was on, like, the fans page or the official yeah. Facebook? No, this is on the fans page. When was this? Just recently? Was this just today? posted nine hours ago. Last night's episode was a bit heavy on Greek cultural stereotypes. The Olympic Stadium and the changing of the guard were cool, but a wedding party with people breaking dishes? It's not as bad as when the show goes to Japan. No offence, but the staff needs to break out of the box. What? Wow, that is a lot. Yeah, to which I responded, fun fact, that's authentic Greece. (laughs) That is a Greek wedding. They didn't put that on. (laughs) They even, uh... Even in Amazing Race 9, when they had they had an entire fast-forward based around breaking plates until you found one with the yellow and red ribbon inside. Exactly. All they needed was an old guy uh, spraying Windex on everything. It's just like, guys, have some common sense, for goodness sake. 
And I can't believe I remember that part from the movie My Big My Big Fat Greek Wedding. That movie was like 15 years ago when I saw it. Is the sequel out yet? Have you seen it? Uh, I've seen bits of it. I think the sequel is out, and I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be terrible. I think it's supposed to be terrible as well. Like, didn't you go straight to VHS home video? I'm not sure. Um, but the UK actually had a, a show inspired by that called My Big Fat Gypsy Wedding. Oh, yeah, I think we've had, we have a couple of those reality shows on TLC as well. I think we may even have a Make My Big Fat Gypsy Wedding. I avoid those shows. I avoid all of those shows. In fact, when I turned on to the TLC network for two seconds yesterday, just so I could get to the PVR recording of Amazing Race, <laughs> there was a trailer. <laughs> I just caught the very tail end of it. But there was a trailer for... Uh, it was a family of seven people who are all little people. And I'm thinking, how many reality shows has TLC done about little people? We have the roll-offs, and they all got divorced. I think the mother was featured in the D12 uh, music video, Purple Hills. <laughs> and there's the one with the husband and wife, where the husband works in an office all day or something like that. So I'm thinking, this is the third reality show that I know of without watching any TLC content at all. It's the third reality show about little people that they have done within the past ten years. I know the exact show you mean, because I saw a screenshot of it. <laughs> so, back to this leg, we're barely through it. So we get the whole, yay, uh, from Brooke. And then... Uh, Tara and Joey find out they're going in the right direction, and Tara says that that her, it's not too bad for a couple of old farts. And I'm thinking, you guys are in what? Both of them are in their early forties. So, I work in a pharmacy, and typically the phrase "old fart" refers to people in their eighties, which is most of the clientele I see in the pharmacy. People who are twice the age of Tara and Joey. So to build themselves as this like old team that's older than uh, Mel White from uh, seasons fourteen and eighteen is just is a bit of a stretch. I mean, Joey isn't even bald yet, yet. But uh, yeah, I'm not even sure if um, if Joey and Tara's ages added together would make Mel White. No, I don't think they would. Um, and Tara's still active in the military. You're not old if you can still endure army drills and training. Yeah, Tara's 38, Joey's 46. Yeah, for some reason, Tara seems to think that old people is anyone above about 35. I think, what was it, Ben was saying that there was a season of Big Brother in Australia or the UK where the oldest contestant was 28 and she was treated as the mother of the house. That would probably be UK because the UK one's been skewing really young recently <laughs> um so yeah so uh scott says he wants to u-turn liz and michael just to ensure that a team is guaranteed to go home over them and when it's a self-drive leg chances are that's gonna do the deed i don't hate that they put a u-turn on a self-drive leg yeah that's the leg in normally want to have a u-turn because then it's not like oh that that taxi screwed us over yeah, I, th I think it actually works out quite well if if you do put U-turns on self-drive legs. Obviously not every self-drive leg, because then it'll become predictable. But it's certainly better than, you, you know, putting them on a, a leg when we have um, 
when we have people at the mercy of everyone else, basically. So yeah, we also get to see London and Logan completely be unable to reverse a car. Yeah, yeah, that's the one scene we get from London Logan this episode, other than London doing the roadblock in two seconds. And there's really nothing to it. They just, you know, just push it back out their car, and that's the scene. <laughs> End scene. I have no. I. I was like, wow, they didn't. There was no drama. There was. They just pushed the car out with no issue, and they're back on the road. That's the only footage they were able to find of Logan, London, and Logan all leg. Other than when Phil's uh, drooling over Logan's muscles. I told you he had big muscles. <laughs> yeah, as if that was a point of discussion before London and Logan even got to the pit stop. Like, that's something that him and the greeter talked about for ten minutes. Like, hey, hey, uh, hey, uh, Greek uh, pit stop greeter. There's going to be this one team. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they, don't have, they, don't, they don't have much of a presence. But uh, there's this one guy. There's this one guy. And his biceps. I've been... Uh, in New Zealand, we used to have this gym I went to all the time, and I was training my pecs like crazy, and you know, doing all the ab exercises and you know, doing bench presses. But there's this guy on the race named Logan, and my God, it looks like he's chiseled, and you'll see that when he comes through. <laughs> Believe me, he's got muscles, like more than the muscles from Brussels. Oh. Uh... It's got to the point where Phil was so indoctrinated by the blind date season that he is constantly trying to set people up. Yeah. <laughs> like, what What should happen next pit stop when London and Logan sh- should show up is that Phil should be in a muscle shirt, and with the this pit stop greeter, he'll be like, I was telling the last pit stop greeter that Logan has muscles, and I'm in this muscle shirt, and L- L- Logan, come over here, come over here, come over here. We're going we're gonna to flex. We're going to flex in front of the camera just to show how big... Logan's muscles are. And remember, we both spend an equal amount of time in the gym. <laughs> look at this. Look at this. And look at his teeth. Look at his teeth. They sparkle more than mine, and I use Crest. What they should have done is just uh, bring over Wu to be the pit stop greeter and just see who can out-muscle each other. Oh, yeah, Alan Wu. Now, that's a... He has an eight-pack, Alan Wu. Like, man, if Phil's mesmerized by Logan... Just imagine if they did another crossover like they did in season 16 with Alan Wu, but instead have him as a pit stop greeter, and then Phil will just be like, he would probably pass out. It'd be like seeing the true form of true form of Zeus in Greek mythology. Every season is improved by the presence of Alan Wu. <laughs> improved by Wu. Yeah, improved. Speaking of which, has Amazing Race Asia 6 started filming yet? Not yet. Have they done casting for it yet? Probably not. I don't think they have. But they will. There's got, there's got to be a season six. Oh, actually, they're, they're probably filming the Chinese version soon, because they usually film China before Asia. Yeah, I think um, Wu has confirmed that we are getting an Amazing Race Asia 6, but China is going to be filming first because they've already re- basically revealed the cast and the um, the locations. And they're going to Israel. Israel. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, because they're doing Indi- Indiana Jones is their official thing? Yeah. Israel Jordan? Uh, no, it's it's like loads of other Amazing Race staples, and then just randomly Israel. Hmm. It's awesome. I wonder how many Chinese people are in Israel. It's not really a crossover I think of too much. No, they're, um, they're going to become the second franchise ever to go to Israel. Well, third. Third. I'm pretty sure Israel is filmed in Israel. <laughs> 
the second international one. Oh, okay. After the season that you're actually slowly covering at the moment. Well, Beef, I'm getting faster with uh, covering Amazing Race Australia now. You can't get much slower than the gap between the last two episodes, like <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> okay, it's almost it almost it almost worked out well that I did five months that I took like this five month break because now it feels like it's historical again. Like before, it felt like I was getting too recent in the timeline. Because you got to remember that when I first started the Tarstorian blog, it was season nineteen was airing on TV when I was covering season one which is almost a 10-year gap. And then by the time I got to season 14, I think we were just at probably season 22 or 23 in the U.S., so I it was less than a five-year gap. And that's when I started slowing down a bit because I wanted to make sure there was at least a five-year gap. And now I think I'm right around a six-year gap, which is where I want pretty much want to be. Yeah, given that you watched that episode with me in London took you two months to actually write it up. Well, I had to wait till I got back, and then things were really busy when I got back to Vernon for the first couple weeks, and I had to get back into the groove of, uh, well, I had to catch up on all the other reality TV shows, and then it's tough to get back into the groove of, oh yeah, how do I do this Tart story and stuff again? Have you actually watched much of episode six yet? I've watched all, I watched all of episode six right away, yeah, like, uh, Australia has me hooked. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it was a really plus it's a really quick episode when episode five was sixty seven minutes of running time and then episode six is forty eight minutes, I think. So it felt like it was a really short episode to get through. The thing is with the Chris and Anastasia blow up episode, you can't really cut much from the episode. No, I I said wait, and I meant it. <laughs> We're not even through the first half page of my notes on this. Episode. I know. Let's let's get to let's get to 29. Let's stay on topic. So Beck and Floyd get get lost. They're the ones that get lost for once. Somehow Liz and Michael managed to not be the worst at a self-drive. They only got, they got lost for 40 kilometers, they said, or something crazy? Yeah, something like that. Still doesn't quite break uh, Debbie and Bianca's record, but close. So once teams get to the U-turn, uh, Brooke and Scott U-turn Liz and Michael and Matt and Redmond don't use it, and then Tara and Joey U-turn Becca and Floyd to give Liz and Michael the best chance to survive. And, all, yeah, it's weird that all three teams all discussed on the two teams they were going to U-turn. Like, there's still, even though there's six teams left, there was still some, uh, there's still some collusion there. Um, and I, fi- I find it funny that when Tara and Joey first got to the town, that Tara said, oh, please let it be the right Arahova. And I was thinking... How mean would it be for producers to have t- two towns in Greece called Arahova in the middle of the mountains, being close proximity to each other? Are we going to have another Gamund and Munden from Amazing Race 4 that's, that screwed up uh, Cindy and Russell? The second Cindy and Russell? I have some backstory on that. Okay, there go was, ahead. There was a secret scene, which is the only secret scene I've seen this week on, um, on Tara's page, of a scene where Tara and Joey go to a petrol station to get some directions, and there are indeed two Arahovas. What? And they argue in the car about whether it's going to be the right one or not. Oh, that is that is mean. That's a mean clue. They're about 50 kilometers apart as well. Oh man, so if Liz, Liz and Michael, you would think they'd be... If anybody's going to go to the wrong Arahova on a self-drive leg, it's going to be Liz and Michael. Yeah. You didn't even direct me to the right Arahova, Liz. 
what are we gonna if we turned around if we turned around it would have been it probably would have been the right one can Liz drive a manual car by the way I don't know probably not if she's a uh, being the backseat driver yeah because I, I think Mike's driven on all three legs hasn't he yeah I was just wondering whether they actually had the option to to swap it up uh like you stick with one driver the whole time I would assume you could just have either person driving I don't see why not I'm guessing that Michael's just couldn't read a map to save his life is what I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm. I mean, more with the Mike and Liz thing. Did they even contemplate swapping, or can Liz actually not drive a manual car? In which case, Mike would have had to drive. Well, I'm just. I'm just thinking back to the the first leg in Norway when he's like, "Is it so? The map is magic now." So I think from that quote, we can we can probably safely say that Michael's not too big on maps. I would assume that Liz could drive a manual. I mean, she lives in if she she lives in a fairly rural area, and typically, if you live in a rural area, you're gonna know how to drive a manual. Although that didn't help uh, Mike and Rochelle. But the but people that live in uh, places that are further out tend to drive manual transition transmissions more frequently. So the detour is for the bride or for the groom, and in for the bride, teams must deliver two urns of milk using a donkey to two different cheesemakers hidden around the town. They can then exchange the cheese that they received with the bride for the next clue. And in For the Groom, teams must run up 252 steps to find a shepherd who will give each of them a goat, which they can exchange with the groom for the next clue. And all I have to say, as soon as these tasks were announced, was please let Brooke do the donkey, please let Brooke do the donkey, please let Brooke do the donkey, and Brooke did the donkey. And it didn't. The donkey task did not go as bad for Brooke as it did for uh, Nate and Jennifer from Tar Twelve. No, living up to her hot mess reputation, she picks the task that involves animals. <laughs> and uh, talking of Brooke, she says, "I stepped in poop. That's probably good luck." I believe London Logan also stepped in poop, but even their, their poo stepping scene was shorter than Brooke's poo stepping scene. <laughs> they can't even. London Logan can't even win an airtime when it comes to poop. And clearly, good luck does not translate to more airtime so viewers know who we actually are. Yeah, how poopy for London and Logan. <laughs> and I also love that the donkeys just get abandoned by the second cheese lady when you find her. Yeah. They don't even bother taking them back to the, the wedding, they just sort of dump them by the cheese ladies. <laughs> and, um, yeah, there's not really a lot to talk about yet. Not as yeah, not yet. Yeah, it actually goes fairly smooth for Matt Redmond, Taryn, Joey, and Brooke and Scott. Other than Matt saying that he got trapped or he was he was he was uh, spanking the donkey as they were moving, which means he was slapping the ass of the ass, which I wrote down in my notes because I'm immature. Which actually I think is pretty much a quote from uh, Beavis and the Beavis and Butthead movie, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm pretty sure spanking a donkey is a euphemism. Yes, it probably is. <laughs> but he was just trying to get it to go faster. And then he was then he said he got trapped between two donkeys, which of course means he was trapped between two asses. And yeah, that's all the jokes I have about that. Just I mean Matt needs to be referenced in the episode somehow. And then Brooke says she loves Brooke loves the smell of cheese, said almost no one ever. Which I guess the smell of cheese is probably more pleasant than the smell of the poop on her shoe. And both detours end in a wonderful fashion with the bride or groom giving them a a plate to smash containing their next clue. I'm surprised Eric and Jeremy weren't there to just 
smash every plate possible and then somehow get cuts and bruises on their arms. Yeah, I mean, we'll be referencing that lay again way more next week. Or uh, what What they? What I would have done, or like if somebody was really enthusiastic about the whole plate breaking today tradition, if they found people that were trying to eat off the plates of food at the wedding and just take the plate from underneath them and just dump the food onto the table and then smash their plate and be like, yeah, Greek tradition. What the clue should have been <laughs> is your next clue is hidden in one of the plates at this wedding. Oh yeah, just have it be like uh, like Tara and Joey when they were really confused about their Norway clue when they're like, "Do we grab? Do we find another buoy with the ribbon like this?" It'd be funny if they break the plate and Tara said, "I don't know. If this is quite our clue. I think we need to break more people's plates." Sorry about your dinner. Sorry about your dinner. Sorry about your dinner. <laughs> I'm just an old senile person. <laughs> Despite being like 38. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The bride and groom are probably older than Tara and Joey. Yeah, Tara is the grandma of the cast at 38. <laughs> the couple pounds of weight in her backpack is probably just all Werther's candies. <laughs> and her dentures. And don't get us started on Joey. Yeah. Viagra? <laughs> Were you drinking last night? <laughs> <laughs> no. You ask that every podcast. Very true. Mainly because I wouldn't be surprised. And, um, of course, Scott lets Brooke smash the plate. Because would you want to deny uh, Brooke the chance to be violent on anything? Just take out your anger, Brooke. Just take out your anger on that plate. hey <laughs> Yay. Come on, come on, Brooke. You can, you can put more, put more energy. Put, harness that energy into breaking this plate. I know you can do it. I know you can do it. Thank you, Bob Harper. <laughs> we're all rooting for you. The Greeks are all rooting for you. We were rooting for you. <laughs> He's not Tyra Banks. <laughs> Scott is Tyra Banks confirmed. <laughs> um, so, Tyra and Joey do leave Braden first, with Matt and Redmond in second, and Brooke and Scott in third. And teams must now drive to Athens' Panathenaic Stadium, where they will find their next clue. And Matt said he wants to eat the cheese, but he never ate the cheese. Maybe he just had the munchies. He just had the munchies, yeah. Yeah, he goes, he goes to the big fat Greek wedding there, and he's like, Oh man, look at all that Greek salad and pasta. Mm, red, red. We should tell... Can, can these guys hook us up with this? Oh man, I'm starving. And it's about this point where London and Logan leave and no one cares. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and then the U-turn teams get to the board. Around the same... Oh no, Liz and Michael have a reasonable lead over Brooke and Floyd. Becca and Floyd. Or no, Becca and Floyd. Becca and Floyd. I was going to say, was there a partner switch? <laughs> I wish they would have done that twist mid-season. That would have been... That's the, one, that's the one thing they need to do with the next Stranger season to keep it interesting. Is if they have the option, like five, to switch partners with other teams. There is rumours of that happening in China this year. Really? China does all the crazy, the crazy bat shitty twists that. I don't know whether it was a mistranslation or not, but there's rumours of China allowing a partner switch about leg eight. Leg eight to right before the, the they only do like nine legs a season. Ten legs and that leg eight, I think. Oh man, that's gonna screw up your chart big time. I know. I'm so annoyed. <laughs> I might have to have everyone ranked as individuals. God help me. 
so what were Mike and Liz's reaction to getting you turned? Hilarious. <laughs> Mainly because I want to hear you do it in Mike's voice. I helped the, I helped Brooke in Dar es Salaam. In Dar es Salaam, I helped I helped Brooke. I helped her in Dar es Salaam. And they they take and they take and they take and they don't give. What gives? What gives with them taking? And then it gets uh it gets much funnier when they when they start walking with their donkey and um Michael is talking to the camera cuz it, it's like he was so <laughs> Oh no, I didn't even quote it. I just said I just said in my notes. Mike rambles about Brooks Ladle. It's and the way he is talking to the t- to the camera, it's like he's going to reach through the TV screen and somehow pluck Brooke and bring her into the scene just so he can yell at her. That's the impression I got. It's very, usually it's a confessional where teams will will rant about being U-turned, or it's more of them talking to their partner. But it looks like Mike looks straight square into the camera as if it's a message for Brooke for her to see one year after this was filmed. I just want to thanks, Brooke and Scott. Thanks, Brooke and Scott, for you turning us, you jackasses. I helped you with that ladle. It was the finest. You wouldn't have been able to create that fine of a ladle. Out of all the ladles that's ever been made, I did the best one, and I did it just for you, Brooke. I did it just for you. Not for the sewer rat and my little sister. It was just for you. And apparently, um, he is actually Rupert in disguise. <laughs> Which does explain why his reaction was, Who the fuck you turned me? John! You snake motherfucker! Somebody on the online forum called Mike the Red Rupert, which sounds like a drink I would have at a bar. The Red... One round of the Red Rupert coming up. Yeah, to to which the natural reaction is to just do the who the fuck voted for me scene. (laughs) I thought you wanted to be a role model, Scott. You encourage people. You lift people up. And here you are pushing me down after everything me and Liz did for you? Oh, that's just sad. That's just sad. Death and rot. (laughs) And then uh, Beck and Floyd get U-turned. And they're really chipper, chipper about it. They're like, who who U-turns? Team fun. No one wants to U-turn team fun. Yeah, that's sort of the the two ends of the spectrum of of getting (laughs) U-turned. I'm going to take that as a compliment. That just shows how strong we are. But who do you actually think is the biggest sort of threat in the final five? It's, well, Beck and Floyd have done have been very well, except for this leg with driving. They've done very well. And Matt and Redmond have been very consistent. And Tara and Joey have podiumed in every single leg since round three. Yeah, I would argue that it is Tara and Joey who are the biggest threats now. Which is what Beck and Floyd said last week. Uh, with uh, Matt, Actually, Matt and Redmond and uh, Beck and Floyd are trying to push Tara and Joey out of the race. They're trying to push them into the retirement home. Well, yeah. As you said, they've podiumed every leg since leg three. So yeah, they've podiumed six legs on the trot now. Do you know who the last team to do that was in Tara history? Six legs in a row? Probably Natalie. No, Natalie and Megan did like a fourth, I think, on the fifth leg. Um... Mark and Wilson? It was Stefan Christen. I was going to say Stefan Christen. Why did I say that they... Damn it. 
Why did I think that they finished below third uh, by the fifth leg? They only had one below top three finish in the first, like, eight legs. I can't believe that I said Stefan... I'm like, Stefan Christen. Oh no, it's not Stefan Christen. Yeah, Stefan Christen had ten podium finishes out of eleven. Twelve? There eleven. was twelve legs that season. There wasn't, there was eleven. Because it was last season. Oh yes, I'm thinking of Natalie and Megan. All all-female Canadian teams look alike. However, there has been a team that's done it every single leg. Which would be Mark and Rowe Wilson. Well, more recently, the winners of Vietnam 5 came in the top three every single leg, and in fact, only one of those was the third place. That wasn't the team that... Oh no, that wasn't the All-Star season. They did All-Star season in season four, right? Uh, no, that was the All-Star season. <laughs> season three was the All-Star season, my god. Yeah, that was when the winners almost... That one, or it wasn't winners, it was a winner and somebody else, wasn't it? It was a hybrid team, where the winner... Winner in the next, the Vietnam's next top model was the team for All Stars. Yeah, that was season five of Vietnam. They came in the top three every single leg, and only one of those was a third place. So they actually came in the top two, ten out of eleven legs. Five of those were leg wins. And Beckron Floyd's donkey gets a lower third, which is nice. Yeah, it gets a speedy McSpeederson, which is a bit more creative than Matt and Redmond naming their donkeys uh, Seabiscuit. I mean, that is more of a British naming scheme, such as Boshy McBoatface. Speedy McSpeederson, I, be- I believe, was uh, one of the characters in the Laugh Olympics. And f- fun fact, when the donkeys are left with the cheese ladies, they go and make waffles! I'm donkey! I'm a donkey, Shrek! In the morning, I'm making waffles! I just wanted to give you a, a, an opportunity to do your Eddie Murphy impression again. Yeah. You're welcome. And the donkeys just by the donkeys are by themselves though. There's no one here beside me, but you gotta have friends. And um, I also love the random tourists just walking past, and just sort of staring into the camera. It was really noticeable for these last two teams doing the donkey task. <laughs> just mugging for the camera. <laughs> awesome. And another wonderful quote from Mike is just those bastard stairs. <laughs> I laughed so hard at Mike having to do the other side of the detour when he's because I'm thinking it like man I, it didn't connect with me until I saw Liz and Mike at the stairs knowing that Mike like this is how much Mike hates stairs during the Norway leg he he drove really far out of the way just to get to an elevator so he could avoid the direct way to get to the pit stop through the 400 steps up to see Phil. Here it's 252 steps, and you and he's the only one, only him and one other team have to do this. And I'm thinking, oh man, Mike's going to want to really push himself to make up for time, and he has to go up steps in a mountainous area where there's probably not as much oxygen as if he were to run up steps elsewhere. And this is just, it was just the funniest thing ever. It was like it was like the Peter Griffin montage with the ah ah, but with Mike it's like hold on hold on Liz, wait a second, those bastard steps Liz Liz, hold on hang on, those stairs, I'm going as fast as I can. Oh, my lungs, my lungs are shot. I also love that. When they got to the top of the stairs, 
Liz got a goat necklace and became the first female racer to get a necklace since that unaired scene in Amazing Race 26 with Jackie. Oh my god, we're not going there. <laughs> we are... Oh my god, Mike. We're, we're cutting that joke out. <laughs> oh, I'm so proud of that joke as well. <laughs> so anyways, so Mike runs up those bastard steps, and the best part of it too, what made me laugh even harder, is that there's the two random Greek women who are just sitting halfway up the steps as Mike is completely leaned over, ready to die. <laughs> yeah, you know it's bad for him when um, when the other team having to do this side of the detour actually beat the Greek guy up there. Yeah. Mike and Floyd are both really fit people, though. They may or may not beat Mike's time up the steps. I love that um, Floyd's uh, graduation was this week, and it just so happened that Phil's daughter was also graduating. Yeah, they get to do the intersection twist outside of the race. And then, uh, oh yeah, then Liz and Mike get all the way back down. It turns out they needed two goats. And it's and this was already after Mike threatened to eat the goat for uh, wailing too much uh, uh, on the way down. So now he has to go up and put up with another whiny goat. Yeah, this time he doesn't have to run up, though. What's the official term for when goats make that sound? It's not ble- bleeping? Bleating. Bleating, yes. Bleh, bleh. It's also the, the, it's also the same sound that casual fans make on the official Facebook page after each episode. And um, Liz and Michael do leave the detour in fifth with Becker and Floyd in last. And once teams get to the stadium, they have to run a lap of it to find their next clue, unless they're Liz and Michael, in which case they have to do the speed bump where they have to find a nearby food ban and learn to make kokoretsky, which is meat and intestines on a skewer, in order to continue on the race. My favourite. This is right This is right in my wheelhouse. I will eat this right now if you want me to. Can I, can I take this home? Can I take this Greek meat home? And I'm not talking about Phil's ter- uh, term for Logan. I love skewer meat, Liz. Liz, if you're allowed to like cow skulls, I'm allowed to like uh, meat and intestines that smell like vomit. And everyone else likes the cheese, the Greek cheese. If they like the Greek cheese, you like the cow skull, I can eat these intestines. It's, it's, all, it's all the same. It's all edible. You won't even let me eat that goat, Liz. So anyways, yeah, so um, we, get to the, we get to the running task. The callback to the... I'm a bit of an Olympic nut in terms of knowing the order of... Uh, I used to I used to memorize the order of every winter and summer Olympic Games. So to see them run around the track of the first modern-day Olympics from 1896 was pretty cool to see. Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely nothing to discuss with this task. But uh, it's, it's still there's, pretty there's, cool. There's a couple things. Um, Redmond's fall... Even the one leg that he does have, he manages to do a face plant with. Yeah, Redmond's collapse is just awesome. (laughs) Then he turns into Blade Runner after that, minus the whole uh, manslaughter thing. And then uh, Tar and Joey. This is how tough Tar and Joey are. They're the only ones who run with their backpacks on. Everyone else takes their backpacks off when they do the lap around the track. Well, to be fair... Tara is probably used to running with a backpack cause military. Yes. Like, that, that. that's just how much of a beast they are. They won this leg, even though they made a pure running task 30 pounds heavier than what it should have been. And then uh, we get uh, 
Brooke and Scott and uh, Matt and Redmond running. And the way that Scott tries to encourage Brooke running is uh, fairly hilarious. <laughs> you can do this, Brooke. You can do this. I believe in you. Just think of all the calories you're burning while running around doing this one lap. Focus, believe, achieve, Brooke. Focus, believe, achieve. <laughs> yeah, he turns into Richard and Joey from Amazing Race Australia. <laughs> you're you're a focus, believe, achiever, uh, Brooke. And I love Scott's <laughs> when he crosses the finish line. He puts just the way he puts his arms up in the air and has his eyes closed, waiting to get like a Gatorade dump of water, uh, a Gatorade dump on top of his head. <laughs> <laughs> Is it fair to say that this cast is one of the best we've seen for a long while? A very long while. <laughs> yeah, like, I love a lot of this cast. Because even the boring ones are, you know, tangentially aligned with Brooke and Scott, so therefore awesome anyway. And then, uh, then they go get straight to the roadblock. We need to discuss how awful the speed bump board is. Like, they've gone from doing the traditional speed bump boards to doing sort of culturally fitting in ones. This one just looks fake. Like they just designed it at the last second and just said, oh, here's a piece of cardboard, let's put some paint on it and let's attach a picture and there we are. Yeah, it, it just looks terrible compared to the frankly awesome U-turn boards we've seen this season and past and the last season. Mm-hmm. It just looks like they half-arsed the, uh, the speed bump board and just thought, eh, we'll have a, a Greek pillar, I don't know. Who knew they would cut corners on a speed bump? I mean, we are on record as loving speed bumps, but maybe not in this case. <laughs> Given that I think the only two F-bombs dropped on last week's podcast were you talking about speed bumps. Yeah, I don't, I don't like speed bumps. No one likes speed bumps. They're useless and pointless. I should really write an article. I have a few days off. I really should write an article pleading to producers. Please do not do the speed bump anymore. What's the point? Yeah, because the last article any of us wrote to producers really worked. <laughs> In other words, why Amazing Race Canada is failing. Yes. Which it is, whether people agree or not, it is. How many views did you get on that article? Um, no, it wasn't too bad, I don't think. A few hundred? Let me have a look. Uh, 319. Well, that's not too bad. More than I thought. Um, yeah, Brooke says that she's not a runner. I'm gonna die! I can't breathe! I can't breathe! <laughs> and once teams get to the Zapion, it's a roadblock, which is who can step in time. And in this roadblock, one team member must learn how to perform part of the Greek changing of the guard ceremony to get their next clue. Please note, Matt must perform this roadblock. Yep. And that's because him and Redmond were split 4-2. They were the only team that hadn't split them equally so far, apart from Becker and Floyd, who didn't need to. So that's why. You know who really needed to do this roadblock? Dandrew. We needed a season 13 callback, or they should have just just had a... Was it Dan? Was Dan the one? Or was it... Which one was... Which one was the guy that couldn't march? Dan, I think. Yeah, should have had Dan uh, do this task. I don't understand what I'm doing wrong! Yeah, they would have never, ever completed this leg had Dandrew had to do this task. <laughs> we're still... We're still in the race, Liz! Just like it's a real shame we don't have to see Liz or Mike do the bungee jump next week. Yeah. As much as obviously I don't want to uh, to wish ill on Becker and Floyd, who I still think are winning. <laughs> Mike and Liz having to do it. 
It would have been awesome. The roadblock task was uh, interesting. For those who don't know, in Greece, um, it is mandatory to serve time in the army, unless yeah, I'm sure they have some couple of exemption rules. But yeah, you have to serve in the military for at least for one year, I believe, is the rule. And uh, I think, was it Finland is one of the other countries in Europe, too, that makes everyone serve in the military, where it's compulsory? Yeah, it's like Singapore. Singapore has national service completely. Right. And I just like how the choreography for this uh, drill thing, how it went from like a half, you know, that half uh, thriller motion where it's right before they did the whole turn thing, but still have their uh, leg up in the air with the two hands. And they turned that into the stanky leg from the Salento song. So that was my favorite part of the whole routine. Thriller into stanky leg adopted by the Greek uh, military. And I mean, they're really subtle with this, but apparently Tara might have been in the army. What? That's news to me. It was casually mentioned this week. There was more mention of Tara being in the military this episode than all of the footage combined for London and Logan this week. Which I guess doesn't take much, but still. Yeah, all of the footage combined of London and Logan for the entire season. <laughs> um, and that one guard, did you see how high the one guard was able to kick up his leg? I swear he's in gymnastics. I just love the the potential for smutty quotes from this uh, this episode. Like, Tara failed the first time, and what was her defeatist quote? Did you write it down? No. The first time, I manhandled the weapon. That is something she actually said. Oh, Tara. I love how all the teams were hiding behind the columns, were like peeping out from the columns just so the their partner wasn't distracted. I mean, we learned that apparently Joey isn't judgmental as well. <laughs> I'm not judgmental of my partner. Tara Car. Tara Car. An army. Army Sergeant Tara Car. Army Sergeant Tara Car is my partner. I know she's a major, but, you know, major doesn't sound as good in Joey's accent. Major. It's pronounced major. Chowder. It's pronounced chowder. <laughs> I'm glad we get some solid Joey impressions just because I know he'll listen to this. The pit stop can't be far. And Floyd also tells Becca to channel your inner Floyd. And th- I think this is the most that Marching Band has ever been mentioned on The Amazing Race as well. There were so many mentions of it. Yeah, because well, Liz had, was like, oh, it's just like being in a marching band, y'all. And then uh, Beck or Floyd was in a marching band, so we mentioned that. Uh, London and Logan were probably both in marching bands, but it just didn't make it onto TV. Probably probably London London has crocheted uh, people in a marching band, if I, if, I, if I were to guess. And I feel really, really sorry for Matt especially. Because he has to do this entire task with former naval officer Redmond watching him. (laughs) Just glaring. (laughs) You know as well as I do, if they had the choice, Redmond probably would have done that task. Yes. I'm sorry I screwed up, Red. We can still be friends though, right? We can still hit the slopes together. We can still be bros. We can have a joint together and watch... uh, Reruns of Tony Hawk in the 1999 X game, where he does a 900. And then play Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Pro Skater 3. I've heard critics say that's the best one, man. But personally, I'm a bit nostalgic, so I like the first one, even though you can't manual. 
And then the second one, you can play as Spider-Man if you want to. And the first one, they only let you play as uh, the police officer. And, um, yeah, Tara and Joey leave the roadblock in first. Good for them. And Team from Snow finds the Acropolis, basically the most famous site in Greece. The pit stop for this leg of the race. The last team to check in may be eliminated. It is the first time in all 29 seasons that I've heard the, Phil use the word Citadel. Well, to be fair, it is basically Greece's number one tourist attraction. Yes. But I mean, like, it's the first time Phil has ever used that word. What would Joey saying Citadel sound like? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Citadel? I don't know. Just probably just mispronounces it like most people would. And um, Scott says, go Brooke, she needs encouragement. <laughs> no, she doesn't. <laughs> and um, Brooke does leave in second after her second attempt. And then Matt and Redmond leave in third. Which dispels the myth that she has a meltdown in every roadblock. She did quite well with this one. She was even excited to do a second attempt. Anything that involves dance and choreography is something that Brooke would like. Which means she would have loved being on The Amazing Race Canada. Yeah, can I point out, Brooke has done the past two roadblocks... And Brooke has aced the last two roadblocks. She's coming into her own. Yeah, just putting that out there. All the comparisons to Flo and everything. I know Flo didn't have to pull her weight in terms of roadblocks, but Brooke is not shabby at the tasks. I believe Flo did not complain during her one escargot roadblock that she did. I think she went took that one like a champ. Well, she is a champ. She won. Brooke might stress herself out a lot, but ultimately... She's quite good at the tasks that she has to do. Maybe not the ladle cutting, but everything else she's not actually been that bad at. And Tara and Joey do check in in first, and they win $7,500 each. No sponsors really this season. There's been, what, Travelocity's provided three prizes, and that's been it? And everything else has been cash for the other five legs? Or four, I guess. This keep on racing like they chose not to do a prize, right? Yeah, they didn't do a prize for the Keep On Racing Life. And Matt and Redmond do somehow overtake Brooke and Scott and check in in second. And then London leaves in fourth after two attempts. I like how Phil says sees Matt and Redmond. He's like, oh, you guys are two tough men. Yeah, and then follows it up by checking in Brooke and Scott. Scott's reaction to the greeting, hello, you're handsome. He is available, Scott. And then Phil tried to set them up. Next blind date season. To which my response is, Phil, keep it in Scott's pants, please. Can you imagine, though, like, next season, it's it's another, it's Blind Date all, it's blind date All-Stars. And did you know that Scott and the Greek Pit Stop Greeter have been dating for the past six months? Sorry, Seth. And London and Logan do check it in fourth. And then Becker and Floyd checking in a totes emotes fifth place. Oh, we missed a... Beck and, Beck and Floyd did, oh yeah, they did really well with uh, Ryan running that one lap. I love how Floyd also was mugging for the camera when he busted through the ribbon at the end. And uh, then, of course, Liz and Mike. Oh yeah, we already talked about Liz and Mike at the speed bump. It's so tough talking about a leg where everyone's at such drastically different points uh, for this episode. Yeah, we just sort of have to... Jump around, don't we? Jump around, jump around. Jump around, jump, 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 House of Pain. Oh, or, or Mike's, or the creepy thing, if you're if you're like me and you're a vegetarian and you have to do uh, 
the speed bump with the skewering meat. The last thing you want to hear from your partner is, this is my bread and butter. Look at this. You just got to make this meat mummified. Like, that would creep me out. Yeah, you you describe yourself as a vegetarian, but we all know you're not. I am. You're a half-arsed vegetarian as you're... Only in Europe. Only in Europe, because that was that was a tough three months. Ever since I've been back, no meat whatsoever. Yeah, you you went to the supermarket, had the option of getting a uh, a vegetarian sandwich, and you came back with chicken. It was like the the vegetarian sandwich option was terrible, though. It was terrible. So yeah, Becker and Floyd checking in fifth, which leaves Liz and Michael to check in last, and this time they are eliminated from the race. It only took four tries of them being last. Which, I mean, people are going to be like, oh man, that U-turn was so unfair, they went home so early. It's like, they were last on the first, like, the only reason why they were saved is because of the unfair darkness penalty for Kevin and Jen. Then then they finished last on the keep on racing non-elimination leg. Then they finished last on the last non-elimination leg. So, you know, it's not even... The third time is the charm, it's the fourth time is the charm. And, interesting fact, they end up on a 4.75 average. Do you know who the last team to get a 4.75 average was? 4.75? Oh god, I don't know. It is none other than Mike and Rochelle. Holy crap, the two Mikes are identical. Exactly. I didn't realise until I actually added it into my spreadsheet. But genuinely, the last US team to get a 4.75 average is Mike and Rochelle from Amazing Race 26. Who are they sandwiched between internationally? Well, above or below them, I should say. Just like the next spot above or below. Uh, Stefan and Antoine and Tom and Anita uh, with 4.67. Oh, okay. Uh, And uh, Ivan and Hilda at 4.83. Ivan and Hilda, always for good times in Amazing Race Asia 4. So, next time, there is a double episode, and we can actually assume from Phil's voiceover that this was intended on being a double episode. So intense. Uh, Scott jumps, teams head to Hanoi, Becker and Floyd get hung up, and Brooke and Scott fall to pieces. Looks like we get a lot of switchbacks, judging by that preview. Yep, and I've heard a little rumour that there is a basket bikes detour... No, it's not even a rumor. They've they've had that in the preview. Yeah, but it's not officially been confirmed. I see. So we get we get basket we get basket bikes. We get the for some reason we get the Polish mannequin task, <laughs> and we get the wondrousness that is the the route marker that I can probably remember more about than anything else. The Greece roadblock. Genuinely, I remember every single little bit of that roadblock for some reason. See, that's I need to rewatch Mason Race Nine again. What was that roadblock? Uh, that was the one where they got told to go to the train station where the clue box was waiting. They opened the clue, saw it was the roadblock. It was a really vague hint. And then the clue basically said, go around the corner and jump off this bridge into the Corinth Canal. Hmm. And they're doing that in Vietnam. Mason Race loves going to Vietnam. We have, well, we have the Mason Race Vietnam franchise. Mason Race, Mason Race Canada went to Vietnam last year. Mason Race Asia was in Vietnam. Uh, yeah. Lots of Vietnam and now Mason Race US. Um, th- well, the, the bungee jump is at the Corinth Canal before 
Vietnam. Oh, before they go to yeah. Vietnam. I see. Yeah, it's in exactly the same place. It is oh, an okay. actual switchback. Um, and just to note, um, it's actually impressive that teams got to run around in uh, one of the stadiums in Greece because I hear that almost all of the Olympic infrastructure, especially from the 2004 Olympics, they're all abandoned and condemned buildings now. So it's it's funny that the one building that still remains is a stadium from 1896. Well, to be fair, I think the uh, Panathenaic Stadium is probably a World Heritage Site of some description, so they would have a much harder time getting rid of it. Yeah, they'd get probably federal funding from UNESCO or something to uh, yeah. keep it alive. I don't know for certain, but I would put money on it. Meanwhile, everything else in Greece, like twenty, it's like it's like Detroit. There, everything's everything's just half of it, half the city, half the country is just abandoned. At least it's not Detroit. It's not Detroit. <laughs> so, predictions for next week. I assume next leg's probably not elimination, followed by an elimination. Yeah, we won't we won't be down to the final three by the end of next week. Let's be honest. No. So we have to have the non-elimination next week at some point. I would guess it's going to be Vietnam 1 because then it will lead straight into the the second leg. Yeah, because this is an actual two-hour episode plan as opposed to the start of the season where they had they had the non-elimination like first because it wasn't even planned to be a, um, a two-hour out episode until a couple months ago. <laughs> I would also guess that that's going to be the last self-drive leg of the season as well. Yeah. Because the two countries that we have left are probably going to be taxi ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Vietnam and South Korea, for sure. So Becker and Floyd will make up that gap, at least. I'd probably guess that London and Logan are going to go next week. They have to. Yeah, I can't see a situation where any of the other four teams, who are arguably stars, would go. I will be stunned if London and Logan aren't eliminated. Especially as I'm still guessing the final three are going to be Becker and Floyd, Brooke and Scott, and Tara and Joey. That's who I assume is going to be the final three, too. I think Matt and Redmond will probably live up to the, the snowboarder legacy and coming in fourth. And they haven't really had any new storylines develop. In fact, it's almost hinting that Matt might screw up at a roadblock, so he specifically mentioned it was uneven. So I don't know if that means Matt chokes at a roadblock. That's how I see it going. I think London and Logan are probably going to go next week. Actually, I won't be, I, I'll say I won't be stunned if London and Logan go. I'll be stunned if they make it to Final Three. I'll say that. I could see Matt and Red going next week and just just choking. Final Four elimination tends to be the really disappointing one, though, doesn't it? It'll be disappointing for Reddit. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think Matt and Redmond would live up more to the stereotype of the Final Four boot than, than London and Logan, in my personal opinion. Yeah. And what is our last impression of Liz and Michael before before we finish up? Because Liz has a wonderful quote at the end that I have to mention because it's awesome. Uh I, I found them really entertaining. There's a lot of there's a lot of good Liz and Michael quotes from start to finish in their run. Especially when you see how they started and then they win two legs and then then they keep at the bottom repeatedly and Mike's blow ups for no reason. Which were hilarious. Seeing Mike run repeatedly. The elevator music scene is one of my favorites from this season. Um, yeah, it's it's the only thing that's been... There's not too many things funnier than Liz and Michael this season, other than making jokes about Shamir's balls. Yeah. The last thing that we hear Liz say is two words. 
Easy Daddy. Which makes me think that maybe she's seen uh, the original House of Cards, the UK one. <laughs> I want to call you Daddy. Please, Daddy, no. Daddy! We're just siblings, Liz. <laughs> and with that, I think we're probably about done. Yeah, this was a long one. So thank you for listening to this URC number podcast. You can join us next weekend to recap episodes 9 and 10. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, RealtyTV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or our own Twitter pages, MJ Harmstone for me, and Logs for Quacky for Logan. See you next week. Peace out and chill. Till the next episode.